0: Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family and friends. This is Pastor Gina, and we um, today are going to be looking at Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, and then a few other um, sections of scripture from Luke 4 and beyond. And so we're um, continuing our Go and Make Disciples year of discipleship, and we're on Gospel Tool Unit number 17. And um, today's sermon is about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so I'll read that section from the Gospel Tool, um, Section 17, Jesus Models and Fulfills His Role. Conceived by and filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, Jesus began His widespread public earthly ministry of ushering in God's kingdom only after the Holy Spirit came upon him for power at his baptism. Jesus embodied, proclaimed, and advanced the kingdom of God on the earth by healing and delivering the bodies and souls of all who came to him. Jesus showed the world God's intention to restore all of life and creation to once again live and flourish under his gracious rule. And so, this morning, as I get ready to begin to bring this message to you, I just wanted to tell you what a great honor it is to bring the Word, and this Word in particular. It's literally changed my view of um, an understanding of our Christian lives and the hope that we have for the world. Additionally, every time I study Scripture, I just... Um, become more and more in awe of Jesus, and in this um, lesson in particular, how he loved and how um, the way the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are so interdependent and they serve and support one another, and this passage has just left me in awe and amazed, and I think you will be too. So here I am in tears, and we haven't even gotten started yet. (laughs) Oh, God is good. So thank you for your careful listening today. As I start by doing some teaching, and then I'll move into some preaching um, at the end. But this morning, before we start that, I want to open with prayer, and so would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the gift of your word, and the way that you reveal yourself through it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts by the work of your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand and to be nourished and to be strengthened and encouraged in the hope of the gospel today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to um read Luke 3, verses 21 to 23, and we're Um, Picking up in the um, middle of the story of John the Baptist, um, and he's been baptizing people, Jesus comes to be baptized, and so here we are in verse 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And this is our scripture for today. So we're going to be looking at Jesus receiving John's baptism. John the Baptist had been going around the area of the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This particular story of Jesus' baptism is so important. It's recorded in all four of the Gospels and then referenced back later in each of the Gospels. And so the question that um, we have to wonder about is why did Jesus get this baptism? Why did Jesus undergo a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? Matthew 3.15, Jesus Explains to John, when John posed the same question, he said, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And so we know that Jesus always had wanted to be about his father's business. Um, Already in the previous chapter of Luke, we have been told the story of Jesus hanging around at the temple after his family had left only when he was 12 because, well, don't you know I need to be in my father's house? And so now he's down at the river, being about his father's business, and Jesus says it's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean exactly? Well, this was the right way because this was the way the Holy Spirit was working on earth at that time. The Holy Spirit was working to bring God's people to a position of repentance um, as they looked around and saw the effects of their sin and how their nation was in um, shambles, and the Roman Empire had come in. The Lord's hand of protection had been lifted because of their sinfulness, and they were repenting, and they were eagerly awaiting a Messiah. And so Jesus goes and aligns himself with God's purposes on earth, and it's an act of humility and submission and complete surrender. I believe Jesus is being obedient to the Father's command to repent. 2nd Chronicles 7:14 and Jesus would have been very familiar with all the scriptures from the Old Testament. So that passage from Chronicles says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. And so again, how does Jesus, who is sinless, repent? Well, <clears throat> that word repent means to turn from evil and to turn towards God. Well, Jesus, who had been, um, filled by the Holy Spirit since conception, united with the Holy Spirit, he was sinless. But yet he can participate not by turning away from evil because he hadn't done evil, but he certainly can turn wholeheartedly towards God. And so when Jesus repents, that means he's dedicating himself to follow God's will fully on earth. It's wholehearted dedication. So Jesus receives this baptism, and Luke is the only gospel that records this detail that as he was receiving this baptism, he's praying, and as he was praying, heaven opened up. We see Jesus praying, and I imagine he may have been praying that Second Chronicles and about this move of the Spirit and how that God was going to bring forgiveness of sins, and Jesus is there wholeheartedly saying, I want to completely dedicate my life to following your will, Father, on this earth. And it's within this context of dedication and surrender and love and trust that the heavens open and Jesus hears the Father saying, Oh, this is my son, my beloved son. This is the one in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had been living 30 years in this incarnation And there's just three chapters in Luke that are dedicated to those early years. His conception, what people said about him, the fact that he was about his father's business in the temple. And then the next thing we hear in the third chapter is he's being baptized. He's dedicating himself to God's purposes and aligning himself with what God's doing. And we hear this amazing proclamation of God's, the father's pleasure in his son we revel and we marvel at this relationship of the Father and Son and Jesus who would leave the heaven to come and come to earth and to dedicate himself and his life. And in that place and in that moment of love and dedication and pleasure and um, appreciation and, and all of a sudden, It says, in bodily form, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Verse 22, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that word anoint means to set apart for special purposes, to give everything necessary for fulfilling those purposes. And so the Holy Spirit was sent to anoint Jesus. Why did Jesus need the anointing of the Holy Spirit when he already had been filled with the Holy Spirit from conception? Well, Jesus needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And last week in Lesson 16 in our discipleship curriculum, we learned about the two natures of Christ. He was fully human and fully divine. And in this week, you're going to study and explore more about what a particular passage of scripture from Philippians 2 6 and 7 says, and it says this, um, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being li- born in the likeness of men. That's the ESV version. And so we learn about this Jesus um, who self-limited And he came in the form of a servant. Now, a lot of times people um, mistakenly think that, oh, Jesus did all these miracles and he did all this work because he's God. And yes, that's true. He's God. But he did it out of a self-limited role on earth of functioning as fully human. And so R.C. Sproul explains it this way. Jesus has the divine nature from the moment of his conception all the way till now and on to eternity. So what is the significance of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus? It is the Holy Spirit anointing the human nature of Jesus. We tend to think that the miracles that Jesus performed, he performed in his divine nature. No, he performed them in his human nature through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to him at his baptism. Here it is, baptism is where God is empowering Jesus to fulfill the mission that he has. And then another um, theology professor from Talbot, J.P. Moreland, said this, When I was saved in the late 60s, I was taught that Jesus' miracles proved he was God because he did them from his divine nature. It's become clear to me, however, that this was wrong. For Jesus' public ministry was done as he, a perfect man, Did what he saw his father doing in dependence on the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you have an NIV study Bible, you might notice that when it's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus, there's a footnote there that sends this back to Judges. And in Judges 3.10, there's a study note and it explains this Holy Spirit coming upon motif. And the, um, editors of the NIV study Bible Recognize that the Holy Spirit comes upon when there's a kingdom activity that God's wanting to do on earth. He sends the Holy Spirit, and then in Judges 3.10, Othniel delivers God's people. And the Holy Spirit also came upon Gideon in Judges 3.4, Jephthah in 11.29, Samson with strength in 14.6 and 9, and also the Holy Spirit came upon David for action, First 1 Samuel 16.13. And so we see this motif of um, the Holy Spirit coming upon for a particular kingdom work or activity, and the Holy Spirit was sent upon Jesus because now he's going to be equipped with power and gifts to be able to do the work that God has for him. And he begins his ministry, his public ministry, at age 30 after his anointing. And we see in Luke 4, he goes into the the, um, in the synagogue and he opens the scroll um, Isaiah and he quotes from Isaiah 61 1 and 2 and he says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor And so Jesus understood, and he said, now this prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus understood that his anointing and the Holy Spirit come upon him was in order to equip him to do these things of proclaiming good news, um, bringing release for prisoners, and so forth. And Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus brings the kingdom of God with power. And we saw three chapters in Luke of Jesus' early life. And once he's anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we see 21 chapters of the rest of Luke filled with Jesus' powerful words and deeds of goodness. And so he's bringing the kingdom. And what does kingdom mean? It means it's, he's making God's kingdom evident on earth. And the kingdom means his, God's royal power, his kingship, his dominion, his rule, the right or authority to rule over an area. And so Jesus brings this evidence of God's kingdom. In these ways, if we just take a quick look, Luke 4, right after his baptism, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, and he has the power to resist Satan and persevere in a spiritual battle. Yes, he uses the word, but he needed to be empowered and sustained for this spiritual battle where the enemy would tempt him. Use that power for your own purposes. Use that power to make yourself glorious. Use that power in ways other than what the Father wants. And Jesus resists every time he stays in that humble posture. Then he walks in and he opens up the scroll in Luke 4. And he preaches and he speaks from um, Isaiah. And the people are just amazed at his authoritative teaching. And then just a little bit later, Luke 4, 31 to 36, there's a man in the synagogue with an impure spirit And Jesus has authority over the demons, and people are amazed at Jesus' authority. The kingdom is breaking in. He's ushering in his rule and his reign. The Father's rule and reign is being evidenced, and people are amazed. Then we see that Simon's mother-in-law had a fever, and so Jesus has compassion, and he goes and does a good act of healing her of the fever, and she gets up and starts to serve. And then all the people are coming, every kind of sickness, and Jesus is healing. We see in Luke 8, the paralytic, and Jesus has authority. And so that they'll know that Jesus has authority to forgive sins, he says, which is more difficult? And he says to the kid, take up your mat and walk. He has authority to heal something that was paralyzed, a body that was completely incapable of functioning suddenly is fully functional and mobile Jesus has authority over a storm in Luke 8 22 to 25 fear is creeping in they think they're going to drown and Jesus rebukes the wind he has authority over the wind and the kingdom is evident the rule of God's kingdom is over all of his creation. He's coming to heal his land. He's going to restore the land and all of creation. Jairus' daughter is dead. And the people laugh at Jesus when he, they say he's going to raise her. But Luke 853 to 56, he takes that little girl by the hand and he says, My child, get up. And the child is raised from the dead. Every physical healing, every miracle always pointed to the power of God and the restoration of his kingdom. And if you remember Pastor Sean's sermon a few weeks ago, he talked about how that stumps and trees and how that Jesus would be a shoot and there would be this evidence, this new new um, evidence of the kingdom of God and how that the world would start to see these shoots rising up. As people were being empowered by the Spirit. Well, friends, as Jesus started to walk out his earthly ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit, there was a wow factor. Everywhere Jesus went, it says people were amazed. They were astonished. All these acts of goodness and kindness as the kingdom of God starts to usher in shalom and restore and recreate into this new creation. And the wow factor is meant to continue. Theologian John Calvin says this about Jesus anointing with the Holy Spirit. He says, We see that he was anointed by the Spirit to be herald and witness of the Father's grace. We must note this. He received anointing not only for himself that he might carry out the office of teaching, but for his whole body, that the power of the Spirit might be present in the continuing preaching of the gospel. Then this anointing was diffused from the head to the members, as Joel had foretold, your son shall prophesy and your daughters shall see visions. The trouble that Jesus faced as he was 30 years old, is that he could not fulfill his kingdom purpose in his human abilities, and neither can we. Pastor Jalisa talked last week in her sermon about being stuck in a do-it-yourself project until her dad came to help her. She had a desire, but her dad had the wisdom and the tools and the strength. She could have tried to do it on her own, But she wouldn't have been able to do much progress with building that bench in the closet that she wanted. If you don't have a power saw and a drill and paint and brushes, you aren't going to build that bench. And friends, if we don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we aren't going to be able to embody and proclaim and advance God's kingdom in the way that God chooses to work. Jesus Proclaimed, he preached the good news and he accompanied it with powerful deeds and actions. And we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the authority that the Holy Spirit gives us. We can't heal. We can't drive out demons. We can't calm the storms or perform miracles on our own in our own humanity. We, like Jesus, need our Father to send the Holy Spirit to empower us. When Jesus, in his self-limited function, out of his humanity, when he looked at the broken world, what he did is he humbled himself in prayer and repentance and committing himself wholeheartedly to the will of his Father. And when we look around at a broken world from COVID and economic collapse and racial rioting and divisions of all sorts and confusion that abounds, we can follow Jesus' example. We can go to prayer. We can repent. And we have sin, friends, we have sin to confess and to turn from. And we, too, can commit ourselves wholeheartedly to the will of our Father. I think that this has been such a beautiful time of study this week to finally be able to kind of connect the dots that the empowering of the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism flows out of his posture before his Father. And friends, I just, I see that connection for us so much. We as a church, we long, God's done beautiful things for us. Don't get me wrong, but there's more. There's so much more that he wants to do through our church and through our lives. And I just see that the place to start is to humble ourselves and to repent and to turn from our evil ways and to just turn wholeheartedly to the Lord and posture ourselves, dedicating ourselves, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. I just feel like he's He's calling us to recommit ourselves to that And God, as as Jesus repented and was there coming out of the Jordan, he was able to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and walk in to say, the Spirit's on me to bring all these good things to the world. And I feel like that's what he's wanting to do with us. He's wanting to empower us. He's wanting us to come to that place of Um, trying to not figure out the world's problems in our own ability or to escape them by Netflix, binging, or whatever it would be. I feel like he wants us to just make ourselves available and be open to and invite his empowering and anointing for kingdom purposes. And I want to close with a simple story of God's goodness. You know, Jesus healed somebody of a fever and they got up. And last summer, we had been making friends with a couple, and I'm going to change the name to um, John so that nobody would recognize who this is. But John and his wife, we had had some casual conversations, borrowed a few tools back and forth, um, maybe ask if we had a stick of butter we could borrow or something like that. But um, John has a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. And, um, so he wasn't feeling well and he was struggling with infection. And, um, anyway, his wife had come over and asked if we had any Tylenol and I gave her what I had. And then I went to the store and I got a bottle of Tylenol for him and I went over and, um, just said, I wanted to drop this off in case you needed it. And anyway, and, um, he looked so not well and, um, sad and he said, thank you so much. Well, you know, it's just a little thing. Then, um, he continued to not feel well and was running a fever. They had packed up and we're going to head back home, but for whatever reason, they asked if they could come. We were sitting, Dane and I were sitting by our campfire and they asked if they could come over and just sit by the campfire with us for a few minutes before they headed home. So we're sitting by the campfire. He's all bundled up in multiple sweatshirts, blankets over his lap. We're all in shorts. It's a warm evening. He's got the fever. He's feeling miserable. And um, the Lord just prompted on my heart, I think it was the Holy Spirit, just prompted on my heart, offer to pray for him. Well, we had never prayed with these people before, nor had we ever asked to pray in front of them before. And um, so I sat there for a minute, and then I thought, you know, Maybe the Lord's wanting to do something here. And so um, I said, you know, this might sound strange, but um, our faith belief is that um, there's a living God who um, cares about his creation and he's merciful and kind. And we pray and ask him to work. And um, I can see you're miserable. And I I know you might feel awkward about this and you don't have to. You know, you can just say no, but I just want to offer that we could pray for you if you would welcome that. And um he said, I I would. I'd appreciate that. And I said, Well, may we lay hands on you. We had been socially distanced around our campfire, but I said, May we lay hands on you and pray and and um he said yeah and his wife looked kinda of tentative but she said yes and so she I said, Why don't you lay hands on him and then I'll put my hand on top of yours and Dane and I laid hands on and just prayed, asking the Lord to take away the fever and um, to heal him. And um, anyway, so we closed out the time of prayer. And uh, <clears throat> they went back home. And we thought that they had left for the evening. And the next morning we wake up and they're still there. And they tell us that um, after they went back, he said, you know, I'm feeling better and took his temperature, and he was fine and had a wonderful, restful night of sleep. And I'm happy to say that he spent this whole last winter um, on prayer calls in the evenings praying for our nation and praying for our state, and um, asked to meet with us this spring, and his faith is encouraged. And um, so anyway, I, this is just a simple little story to tell you about the power of God and the kindness of God and um the ways that he might want to work around you and around me if we will just turn to him and um give him our whole hearts be willing to be embarrassed at times or um rejected at times but to offer the goodness of the kingdom and so i want to pray on behalf of our congregation um for this work of god to be even greater in our midst, and um, I want to urge each of you. I'm going to pray on behalf of our congregation, but I want to urge each of you to search your own hearts and to join with your own prayers with this one, if you want to also see the Lord move in power. So let's pray now, dear Lord. We want 2021 to be a year where we proclaim the year. Of the Lord's favor. We recognize. The effects of sin and brokenness. In our own lives. And in our world. We see how we've each gone astray. And we've not sought you with all of our hearts. And we see how our sin has had a direct. Impact not only on the world. But it's been an offense against you. And the peace of your kingdom. And so Lord we are sorry and we repent. We choose to turn away from our sin. And turn fully to you. We surrender wholeheartedly to you father. And we long to see your kingdom come on earth. Hear us today when we say. Our lives are yours. Our hearts are yours. Anoint us. Use us. Lord, let us be a people who you set your Holy Spirit upon. Lord, anoint us to proclaim and embody good news to the poor and to the hurting. Lord, we want to walk like Jesus walked in the power and the authority of your Spirit, ushering in your kingdom, showing your goodness. Lord, there's a world of hurt in our homes, our families, our workplaces, our neighborhood. And so we pray, let your kingdom come. Lord, let the world again be amazed at the goodness of your kingdom as we together follow in your footsteps, Jesus. For the Father's glory and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.